What's up, ladies and gents? Welcome to the Disciple Makers Podcast, brought to you by discipleship.org. This is your host, Dave Stovall, and today we are continuing to hear from Disciple First. We've got Craig Etheridge and Glenn Underhill, and we're going to be learning a practical model and method to develop effective leaders of teams and leaders of leaders. If you were looking at the discipleship.org's growth chart, which shows the spiritual infant all the way up to a spiritual grandparent, what Craig and Glenn are talking about today are spiritual grandparents. At that stage, you're spending your time developing leaders who are developing other leaders. For instance, my long-term goal as a worship leader is eventually to bring up other worship leaders and train them on how to pour into the worship team. At that point, I won't be personally developing each person on the worship team, but rather pouring myself out into those leaders to make sure that they're taking care of everyone under their care. That all starts with developing and maintaining my own shepherd's heart. If I don't have that, and if I had it and lost it, then none of this is even possible. Let's let Craig and Glenn encourage us on these things today and to help us to be motivated to maintain our shepherd's heart for people so that we're not thinking about getting the job done, but we're thinking about caring for others. All right, y'all, enjoy the episode. Thank you guys for being here with us. Some of you have been in our sessions before, so you're up to speed. Some of you may be uh, new, so uh, if you're new, let me give you just a maybe a two-minute update. We co- we've covered a lot of ground, haven't we? If you've been with us from the beginning, we've covered a lot. But uh, what we're basically looking at in this diagram is this is our disciple-making pathway. Every church must have a disciple-making pathway. Explore, connect, grow, multiply are the, the, the steps in a disciple-making pathway. Think about stones along the path that, that really come out of the life of Jesus. It comes right out of Matthew 28. Uh, also, if you did a, a study of the life of Christ, you would see how Jesus' stages of maturation development for his team followed in those four categories. So, explore. These are pre pre-salvation, uh, then those cross the faith line to connect in the body, and then now they're being trained and equipped in, in a high accountability, high accountability environments. This is what you probably call your D groups in, the, in a growth phase, and then ultimately for the purpose of multiplying, okay? So laying, the first thing you've got to do is lay down that disciple-making pathway. Uh, but then what we also took a look at is a leadership pipeline. And every organization has a leadership pipeline of some kind. I mean, you've got it. It's, there's some stages of leadership in your church. And so we, we articulated a five-stage leadership pipeline here, leading of self, leading of the team, leading of leaders, leading of department, and then leading of the organization. So that's what those mean there. In the last session, we went into great detail about the optimal trajectory for a disciple-making leader. If you want to make a disciple-making leader which we're calling L1 here, is that you want to, um, you want, you don't want to raise them up in levels of leadership until they have progressed down the pathway, right? Because if they, if, if you raise up, and we took a look at this last time, you know, an L2 leader is someone who's a great leader, but not a disciple maker, right? Which is unfortunately, uh, many of leaders, you know, in churches today, man, they're great leaders, very talented, very able, very capable, but have never really progressed down the leadership 
the disciple making pathway. And so they, they're not produced. They're not a disciple making leader. They don't have the multiplication mindset. They're not investing their lives in others. They're, they're leaning more on programs and, and so on uh, to do that. And so uh, we, we're not looking for this. We're wanting to produce this. So the way you make a disciple making leader is that you don't elevate them in leadership until they progress down the pathway. Does that make sense? That's all what we covered last time, all right? Um, so I'm doing my best to catch everybody up to speed with where we are. So what we're talking about today is, so how did Jesus do that? That's a great question. How did Jesus develop leaders? What did he do at, at, at the stages of uh, taking these guys, his disciples, down this pathway? How did he develop them as leaders? Because this is how you make disciples this is how you build a movement. And Jesus was doing both at the same time. So what uh, I want to focus on today is this first little blue line here. And we're going to just focus, we're going to just zoom in on how did Jesus develop team leaders, okay? And when you look at, uh, when you study the life of Christ, you'll notice that about 18 months he spent in the explore phase, about another six months he spent in the connect phase, and about six months or so, in the growth phase, and roughly around nine months, uh, we find in the in the multiply phase. Um, and so, what we're going to do is we're going to dive in to this connection, lead, uh, team leaders, and the connect phase. And what did Jesus do at this phase that really helped develop leaders at this level? Okay. And so that's what we're talking about uh, today. Team leaders are super important. Team leaders really make or break an organization. Would you agree with that? You've got lots of team leaders in your church. Coffee team, greeting team, worship team, kids team. I mean, just every ministry, is, it's got teams. And so really a lot of what we do is developing and leading team leaders. I remember uh, working on the highway department when I was in college in order to buy my wife a ring so we could get married. And I had a team leader. And this guy was, he was something else. He was probably about five foot two, skinny little guy. I mean, his skin was leathered from the sun. He had been working in the highway department probably his whole life. Uh, he didn't have any teeth, all right? So like his, his chin almost touched his nose, you know, when he really closed his mouth. And he would pack tobacco in there. And I'm not sure how all that stayed in. And really when he would talk, a lot of it would just come out. You know, uh, he was a really interesting guy. He, uh, uh, he, he used more expletives in one sentence, was super creative how he could fit that many expletives in, a, in one sentence. I was, I was kind of somewhat impressed by that. And, but just, just hard, dude. I mean, and when he had talked to us, he'd say, you college boys, you know, he'd re- stretch that out. I'm going to show you how to work. You know what I mean? He was just, he was terrible. I mean, he just, he didn't know my name the whole summer. He, he was just cuss at us all the time. He just berate us all the time. It was just, it was just terrible. It was an awful summer working for him. But I had another uh, boss, uh, team lead in a men's store. His name was Max. And Max uh, was an older guy. Uh, and Max just was great. You know, he, he invested in me. He talked to me. He knew what was going on in my life, even as a high school kid. I remember going to Max's house, and if I had a problem, he coached me and talked me through things. He, borrowed, he, he lent me money to buy a keyboard when I was in college. I mean, who does that? Because you know you're never getting that back, right? But I, I was committed to paying Max back. I paid him back every cent. And he just believed in me. 
And, uh, and when I think of those two guys, they couldn't be more polar opposite, right? One that believed me, one that didn't. One that knew me, one that didn't. One that gave me opportunity, one that didn't. I mean, it, they were so different. And, and I think that shows me the value and the importance of uh, team leaders. The team leaders are really vital. So a team leader is a volunteer who leads a team of people to accomplish um, multiple ministry tasks. That's really what a team leader is. And they're essential here. And it's important when somebody is a team leader, not just a team participant, uh, they have to shift a little bit of their thinking, right? Because when you're a participant, you're just there doing your job. What is my job? My job is to fill up these cups with coffee, all right? So I'm going to get all my coffee cups filled up. I'm a volunteer. I'm just doing that task. But as a team leader now, I don't think just about getting the coffee done. I think about how do I encourage my team to get the work done? The work is not done by me. The work is done through our team collectively together. And that's a little bit different thinking when you move from just a volunteer to a team uh, leader. You have to shift in in that thinking. And so uh, I remember one guy that uh, I worked with for a while. He was a young guy. He was a really good evangelist. He was an awesome sharing his faith, constantly out in the community sharing his faith. But but he really struggled to show somebody else how to share their faith, right? So, so he was great as a doer, but when it came to leading other people, to equipping them and doing the work together as a team, he really struggled with that. And eventually, you know, he went and did something else because he was good at doing it, but not really good at being a leader of it. And I think that's part of that shifting that needs to happen. So you think about um, uh, team leads. Here, here's some good team leaders and bad team leaders. A good team leader organizes the work for the team. A bad team leader is disorganized and frantic. You know, a good team leader invites input from the team. A bad team leader thinks their way is the only way or my way is the highway. A good team leader uh, will delegate clearly and appropriately. A bad team leader uh, will just do the job themselves. A good team leader will inspire the team. A bad one, though, will create a hostile environment. Uh, good team leaders create responsibility uh, for problems and fix them. They take responsibility for problems and they, and they fix them. A bad team leader will just make excuses and blame others. <laughs> well, it wasn't my fault. I told them to do that. Um, good team leaders care about their team members. Bad team leaders only care about the job. Those are just some examples of good and bad team leaders. So how did Jesus develop great team leaders? What did Jesus do to help these team leaders really um, grow in their faith and grow in their leadership capacity? And so what I want to do is give you uh, about four of these that I, I feel like we learn right out of the life of Christ. So I'm going to give you a couple of them now. First one is this. They cast vision. Cast vision. He cast vision. Uh, it's absolutely vital to cast vision as you develop team leaders. They need to have a proper vision of where the church is going, what the church is trying to accomplish, and more importantly, how their team is a part of that bigger vision of the church. We're not just filling cups of coffee. We are creating an environment 
where people feel warm and welcome so they can hear about Jesus, right? I'm not just filling this up. I'm, I'm, I'm a part of something bigger than myself. Um, and, and really, you see this in, in Matthew 4. Matthew 4, 12 through 17, Jesus is in this transition period. John the Baptist has been put in prison. Jesus moves his base of operation from Nazareth to Capernaum, which was a larger, more bustling on the major highway uh, town. Uh, he is becoming the upfront leader of the movement now. John the Baptist has stepped aside. I like to say the curtains come down on John the Baptist and the spotlight is on Jesus and it's going to stay on Jesus from that point forward. Um, he's preaching repentance, the same message that John the Baptist was preaching, but he's now building his leadership team. These guys have been with him for about 18 months, but now he's going to bring them on in some capacity, start shadowing him and learning about ministry. And, and they're going to get their hands dirty to a certain extent in this. So I would say this is kind of like in, in that leadership team development process. And uh, in there, the way he does it, it's not that he casts vision, it's how he casts vision for them that was so compelling and so helpful for us. Because he walks along the Sea of Galilee, they've just finished all night fishing, which is what you do, and they're mending their nets, and he walks by and he says, follow me, Matthew 4, 18, 19, and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they leave their nets and they follow Jesus. He, he's calling into their deeper sense of need for more, right? He said, follow me and I'm going to make you fishers of men. Hey guys, your dad was a fisherman. Your granddad was a fisherman. Your great, 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 great granddaddy was probably a fisherman. But man, if you follow me, then you're going to be a part of something bigger than just fish. Don't, don't you want your life to matter for something bigger than just catching fish and then selling it and then you got to do it again over and over? And there's more to your life than this. And so Jesus does this masterful job uh, of tapping into the hidden desire in every person uh, to live a life of significance. Now, I think this is really important when you're dealing with team leaders to say, listen, what you're doing really matters. What, what are you doing when you do that? You're just infusing them with purpose and significance that what, yeah, you're driving, you're, you're leading a team of golf cart drivers, you know, to welcome people in the parking lot, or you're, or you're, you're, uh, you're, you're leading a, a, a group of sixth grade girls, right? But what you're doing really matters for the kingdom. You're, you're bringing the gospel into their hearts. You're part of a bigger picture where we all are working together to, to bring spiritual formation to the next generation. I mean, when you say things like that, it's moving to their hearts. And this is exactly what Jesus did. Jesus um, was a master vision caster. So I think one of the first things you want to do with team leads is you want to cast really great vision to them. I think this is something we often overlook because we're just trying to get the work done, all right? Hey, could you just get that over there and get that cleaned up? And could you get this happening? And we don't stop enough to really say, team leaders, let me tell you why we're doing what we're doing and casting that vision. That doesn't have to be a 45-minute sermon. Many times it's ongoing. You know, vision leaks, right? So you get a little bit of it and then it kind of dissipates. So you have to constantly be filling that vision tank with, hey, let me just remind you why we're doing this. 
and how you are playing a significant role in God's kingdom as this team lead. Uh, it, it stirs the heart. Um, and Jesus was really good at it. Another thing that Jesus did, number two, is you got to get them out of the building. You got to get team leaders out of the building. Once Jesus called his disciples to this new level of commitment, immediately he engages them in ministry. And um, I believe Dan Spader was the one that coined the phrase, he took them on six fishing trips. All right, not, not fishing for fish trips, but fishing for men trips. And it's, it's really cool when you, when you study the harmony of the Gospels, right after he says, follow me, I'm making fishers of men, there's a series of six events where they are now shadowing Jesus. Uh, in, in Luke 4.31, uh, he casts a demon out of a, uh, out of a man in the synagogue, right? Uh, in, in Luke 4, verse 38, there's all these sick and hurting people. He heals Peter's mother-in-law, and then all the sick and the hurting come, and they minister to that uh, sick and hurting community. Then there's a little interlude period there where they're touring the villages and preaching, and Jesus takes his guys on that. Then, then in Luke 5, 1, uh, there's this miraculous catch. Remember where the, they, they take in so much they can't get the boat to shore? And this is where Peter says, go away from me, I'm a sinful man. I, think, I believe I don't have time to get into that. I think there's a lot going on in Peter's heart and mind right there about following Jesus and some hesitancy. And Jesus shows that he can provide for Peter anytime he needs it. Um, then there's a fishing trip of healing the lepers in Luke 5, 12. And then the healing of the paralytic in Luke 5, 17. And finally, the call of Matthew in Luke 5, 27. But, but in all these cases, Jesus is bringing them out into the field and he's men, and they're shadowing him, and they're engaged. You know, they're doing some crowd control. They're picking up scraps. You know, they're they're doing some work, but but they're really shadowing Jesus, and Jesus is getting them out into the field. Listen, your team leaders don't need another seminar. They really need to see God at work. They need to be. They need to be experiencing. God at work in, in their life. And as they do that, then God uses that to grow them. That, that is a spiritual agitator, right? When they're out in the field and they see God at work, then they come back and go, man, did you see that happen? Can you believe that conversation happened? Can you believe? Now, the best way to do this with your team leaders is to take them off campus. Meaning, to minister in your local community. Take them to the shelter and let's let's go to the shelter together. And this is just me pouring into my team leaders and we're going to go to the shelter. We're going to hand out some sandwiches or hot dogs or whatever. We're going to have some spiritual conversations and pray for, uh, see what God would do there. We're going to go do some work in our community together. And as we do this, we're going to look for ways to see where God's at work. And just getting them out of their normal routine and, and putting them in a place where they see God tangibly at work, this is incredibly powerful. Um, if you can do it, take them on a mission trip. This is the best way to help stir up their spiritual heart and interest is by taking them on, on a mission trip. Um, Zach uh, shared his story uh, in our last session that Zach uh, emerged up this pathway of becoming a disciple-making leader uh, as he was discipled, as he moved down the disciple-making pathway, 
He was being elevated gradually into higher levels of leadership. He's now one of our executive pastors there. But one of the biggest uh, agitators for him spiritually was a trip to, to Zambia and being on a mission field and discipling other pastors. God began to speak into his heart and move in his heart. And he came back saying, you know what? God's, God's got something here for me. And it was a huge game changer. I think a lot of times we think mission trips are for the, peop- the work of the people we're doing over there. I think most of it has to do with the one that's going. Jesus used mission trips quite often to move guys out of their comfort zones into uncomfortable situations. We're not supposed to be in Samaria. What are we doing in Samaria? We got to get out of here, Jesus. You know, no, no, no. I got some work here to do. We're not supposed to be over here where this Gadarean demoniac is. No good Jew goes on that side of the lake, but we're going over there. And Jesus used these, getting them out of their comfort zone to agitate their spiritual interests and to grow them. Just think if you did that for your team leaders. Just think, if you cast vision and you were able to get them out of the building and let them experience, you know, God, you know, at work. One of the best things you can also do with your team leaders, just take them with you when you're doing, when you're doing some ministry thing. Just take them with you. Hey, come with me. I'm going to go talk to these guys. Go, come with me. I'm going to go visit this thing and just have them on, on your hip, so to speak. That, that's the best way to develop those team That's what Jesus did with his guys at this level, at this stage. So number one, cast great vision to them. Um, Call out their their inner desire for significance and show how what they're doing is significant. Number two, get them out of the building. Help them experience the work of God and see God at work in unique ways. Uh, Number three, take them deeper. Take them deeper. In all the hustle and bustle of ministry, Jesus found time to be with his father. In Matthew 135, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he got up and went out and made his way to a deserted place. And there he was praying. And Simon and his companions searched for him. And when they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, let us go on to the neighboring villages. So then he preached there too. This is why I've come. And he went out into Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out. Demons. Now, why was this important? Because Jesus was really modeling for them uh, the principle that you must go deep to go wide. Right? You must go deep to go wide. A lot of times we think, well, we got to go wide, and then hopefully someone will go deep. But what we what we need to model for these team leaders is, hey, even in your own life, you've got to put down some tap roots, right? That go down deep. And learn to draw up spiritual nourishment before you can ever really begin to go wide and bear uh, the fruit that God wants for your life. It's the deep things of God that produce the wide reach of ministry. Chuck Swindoll uh, had a pastor confess to him after a speaking engagement. This pastor said, I am operating on fumes. I am lonely, hollow, shallow, enslaved by a schedule that never lets up. I've often read that multiple times, thought, wow, that sounds like a desperate man, doesn't it? And Swindoll writes this. He said, as a result of my observations, that, uh, that recent encounter specifically, he said, I decided to do some serious thinking and reading and praying. My journal became an anvil on which most of my private thoughts were hammered out. Thankfully, 
I have had the time to let those thoughts linger and spawn other thoughts that drove me deeper until I arrived at the heart of what seems to be the core issue, a lack of intimacy. Pure and simple. That best defines a problem, an absence of intimacy with the Almighty. Involvement, yes, but no intimacy. Activity and program, a plenty, but no intimacy. Jesus modeled for his leaders at this stage that, listen, leadership has got its demands. And, and if for you to survive at higher levels of leadership is going to require you to go deeper in your own walk with God. In John 15, he reminds them of this. Remember, this is earlier in Jesus' ministry. This is earlier in the, in the ministry that he has these guys. At the, one of the very last things that Jesus says to them before his death is found in John 15. He said, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who will remain in me and I in him produce much fruit because you can do nothing without me. Your team leaders need to grow in this area. And this is a tremendous opportunity to really disciple them. I think that uh, you may have guys that are just volunteers, leaders yourself. They may may not even be believers yet, and they're just volunteering. You know, they're just helping out in the parking lot or whatever. I think that's a great thing. But when you get to this connect phase, when you have team leaders, um, you need to make sure that you're discipling these folks. They need to be moving uh, toward this next phase on their pathway. They need. This is a great opportunity for real discipling to take place in them. Whatever tool you use, whatever mechanism you use, to start really pouring into their lives and taking them deeper in their own walk with God, helping them to be able to feed themselves spiritually and, and, and share their faith and these kinds of things. This is where that really needs to happen. And so this is an important part of the maturing of that leader, that team leader. So casting vision, you want to be sure that you're doing that. Get them out of the building, help them experience God. You want to take them deeper, and, and be challenging them in their devotional life and their walk with God. And then uh, let me give you, a, yeah, let me just give you one more. Uh, cultivate a shepherd's heart. Cultivate a shepherd's heart. The balance of this development phase in Jesus' strategy wraps around three different episodes of conflict, but the conflict is not with his disciples, the conflict is with religious leaders, right? And one of the ones that, that I, I love the most is found uh, in Mark 3, where the religious leaders invite Jesus to teach at the synagogue. And then, of course, they put right on the front row a guy with a shriveled hand. And they know it's on the Sabbath. I mean, this is a baited situation. Jesus is a sucker for somebody that's hurting. He's going to heal this guy. It's going to break the Sabbath. We're all going to see it. We're going to use this against him. The, the, the trap has been set. And so Jesus sees what is happening here. He stands the guy up. I mean, I just would love to have been a fly on the wall to see this go down. He stands the guy up, probably put his arm around this man. And he said, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save or to kill? And the whole room was silent. Could have heard a pin drop. And then we read this. And after looking around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness, 
of heart, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. See, Jesus could see these people, they, they don't care about him. I mean, he was this mixture of anger and grief, right? Like, how could you have gotten so far from the Father's heart? You're using this guy to get to me when you have no real concern at all for him. Somehow, these shepherds, these religious leaders, had lost the shepherd's heart. It was all about doing the work and not about caring for people. Now, I don't have to jump too far to make a connection, right? Because we can get very very quick to getting the work done, getting the work done, getting the work done, but not cultivating a shepherd's heart. Regardless of what team leader you're in, no matter what you're, if you're on the worship team or you're, you're leading in some other area, man, if we don't do it with compassion and love for people, then why are we doing this at all? And so there's the danger for a leader to be fixated on rules and expectations and team performance and forget the important things of kindness. This is the shepherd's heart. Jesus said in John 10, I am the good shepherd and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. That's what shepherds do. They lay down their life. And that's what we do as shepherding people. And hey, you got a t- you're a team leader. You got a little flock. You got a little flock of five. You got a little flock of four or 10 or whatever your flock is. Are you shepherding them with a shepherd's heart? Do they know that you love them? Are you praying for them? Are you caring for them? Are you, you know, asking how things are going in their home? This is where this shepherd's heart begins to be formulated and developed. And just think, if they can develop that here, then how much better will they be if God moves them up to higher levels of leadership? So it's interesting that when when we look at team leader development, that Jesus is really speaking to them about vision, about why they're doing, here's how God's at work and how you can be a part of it about the importance of shepherding and caring uh, for people. Uh, All these things are super important. Going deep and really making sure your walk with God is deep. These are all fundamental things that Jesus knew early on they needed to get a hold of if they were ever going to move up into leadership. Okay? And so uh, these are the elements that I think you would want to develop in your team leaders. Uh, Yes, when you develop team leaders, there's a place for skill training. There's going to need to, obviously, whatever team they're working on, they're needing to learn some skills. Delegation, communication, organization, coaching, feedback, so on. All these things are necessary. But I find it interesting that this phase, Jesus worked more on the inside than he worked on the outside. He sought to develop men and women who were like him, who had his heart, that understood his vision, that had compassion, that walked deep in the things of God. So it means we've got to work on the foundation here. We've got to work on the foundation of leadership, and that starts at your team leader level. And so um, in this way, we, they start to mirror the heart of Jesus. And that's, what, that's the kind of leader you want to elevate up into higher levels of leadership. So... Jesus, the master developer, right? Every time I, I go through that, I think, oh, man, I got to get there. 
because I can so fixate on, hey, did you get this? Did you get this done? Did you get the, did you get this done? Boom, 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 got a lot going on, and not cultivating the heart of that team leader so that they can rise up to even higher levels of leadership. So with that in mind, uh, Glenn, come on up here. Which one of these elements, we talked about vision, we talked about going deeper, we talked about um, a shepherding heart. Uh, which one of these stood out the most to you as a practitioner where you're overseeing, you're up here, you're overseeing department leaders that have these team leads underneath them? So what, what's jumped out to you the most? Uh, probably the, the deeper piece and the shepherding piece. Uh, because... Um, as, as I am leading at the top of our organization and, and helping to uh, bring those pieces down, um, I find that the, the task of shepherding, having a shepherd's heart, is a lost commodity. Uh, and so we really want to help raise the vision uh, through vision casting, but really that, that skill of how does it really, what does it really look like? If... I'm doing all the shepherding, then I'm not, I'm not multiplying myself. Uh, and so what we really want to do is we really want to work hard at helping uh, these team leaders have a shepherd's heart and how to, and how to really do that with skillful hands uh, and, 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 and do it in a real practical way. Um, our deacon ministry team uh, is not at all a, a leadership position in our church. They are, they are at a servant level. They form three tasks. They help with conflict resolution. They help with uh, communication and they help with care. Uh, and so that they're kind of in this stage right here uh, because they are, they're working to be caregiver, good caregivers. So care that, that, that shepherding piece and then that, that deeper piece of, um, I think that the, at this level, if they don't capture uh, internal facing, everything they will do will always be about the external, about performance. Perform, 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 perform. I want to get them out, of, we want to get them out of the performance mentality and understand it's really what's coming up from, from working from within and it is the it is the reliance on the spirit of God and the power of God that real ministry is born out of. Uh, and if we can, I, if I got to capture it here early uh, or they, they miss out on that. And then we just have, a, again, we start raising up those superstar leaders who really aren't genuinely walking Christ-centered, Christ-controlled. Yeah. Talk to us a little bit about the getting them out of the building piece and the importance of... Uh, mission trips, either locally or internationally, as a way to help develop spiritual depth in in emerging leaders. Yeah, I just I just think that. So as I have been studying, this is just experientially, just as studying the life of Jesus. Uh, <laughs> so much can be done, and so much can be uh, a lot can be um, really developed in a person's life when they have. On the job, on the job experience of just getting outside of, and it's a push for a lot of our for our team leaders doing these kinds of things like this. Are, are it's a stretching. Uh, I like to say it's working their spiritual muscles 
and so again, um, you've, we've got to provide opportunities for them to be able to, to do that. So we, we look at mission trips as, as twofold. Not only are what are we going in terms of are we going to get to go and have the opportunity to do, but what is it providing as a skill level of opportunity or a, a stretching opportunity for those that we're taking along because we, we see cross-cultural, we see local, all that as, again, inward opportunities uh, to be cultivated and developed with immediate, immediate uh, on-the-job training. Okay, uh, questions uh, about team leader development? Yeah, just a, I have a question about getting out of the room. What struggles do you face when you have all the courts and right works, right? I know we go on mission trips for a week and stuff. What are some, what are some ways that you've overcome the ability for people working, maybe to do some things on work days or things like that? How do you, yeah, great question. So, you know, hey, what are we doing in light of of getting them out of the job based on, hey, they've got, you know, so many hours in the week that they've got going on. One, we got to get it out far enough in advance, yeah. right? So that that communicating something. So I, I have found that it doesn't work really good if I say, oh, hey, by the way, we're going to do this like tomorrow. Um, I, I could never do that with some of the guys. So advance warning. Um, is good. Plus, it gives them a little bit of time to fret about it a little bit too, uh, which I like because it creates tension. I I value tension. Tension is a great uh, a, a great place of leverage in a good way. Um, so uh, I, I, that communicating and then uh, it's we we do a lot of things locally. So it could be uh, it could be a Saturday. Saturday morning, early Saturday morning, we do a lot of things with a with a ministry that we are uh, partnered with. That it's Saturday morning and it's early. Again, it's hey, I'm going to get you up really early, but I'm going to have you home, so I'm not taking your entire Saturday. I'm going to have you home before the kids get up, probably. So it's 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Uh, sometimes it's a late Friday night. Uh, sometimes uh, it you know it's a, um, a Sunday afternoon after church. Uh, opportunity. I've already got them there. Hey, let's pull out. Let's do. So again, it's communicating, getting it far enough enough in advance, and then looking for spaces and windows. Sometimes even like guys that I'm discipling that are at team lead levels uh, that we're working up. I'll even take them. I'll even do it during our time when they're coming to my house. Uh, I'll. We won't do necessarily some stuff together there because we're going to do on the job training that night. So I, I put it in, I reinforce it by putting it in what something we already got scheduled and they're doing. It's already in their calendar. A lot of times I do that spontaneously because then I can really freak them out good. You like that part, don't you? Yeah, I do. I like tension. Yeah. Um, do you use any measurables that you're looking at from these successes or failures with the cultivation? So. Yes, we, we are. So what are the measurables for kind of a, a shepherding heart, right? Is that what, kind of a question you're asking? Fruits of the Spirit is the Yeah. So, you know, um, I, I, I want to see, like, uh, benchmarks of, like, uh, empathy. Uh, I think you've got to train empathy, right? I mean, it, it comes, can't come in much, but uh, empathy, uh Obviously, as you're saying, character is super important, but we're, we're really diving into characters. We're working through that. Um, another benchmark is 
do I do I see them caring for the person before I care for the task? Uh, I, I can measure that. I can watch that. I can see that happening. I care more about the individual than I do necessarily about what they're performing and doing. Again, it goes back to that performance versus value. Um, you, and I know you, we, we've talked a lot through this. What are some of the other measurements we, we Yeah, you know, you got to remember you're developing a team leader. So uh, I would be asking questions like, so how well are you connecting with your team? Are you calling them? Are you spending time with them? Do you know their kids' names? You know, do you... What are they struggling with? How are you praying for them? Are you carving out time in your team huddle before you break to go do your thing? To, to hey, we need to remember so-and-so because their mom is in the hospital right now. These are things that display a shepherd's heart and they've got a little flock to shepherd. You know, So I think helping them learn tangible practices to shepherd the people that are under their care. Um, if they can't shepherd a group of five... <laughs> How are they going to shepherd more than that, right? So it starts there. And um, I think those are uh, tangible things that you can ask and you can assess pretty easily with them. And if they go, oh, I don't know that, I'm not really doing that, then you coach them up to do that. Part of your process is this is how I do it. Is it yeah. You're sitting about that. Here's what I'm doing. Yeah. Or you're, that's verbally. Do they see that? Are we? Are they in situations where they can see where you're doing? Right. So when 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 these leaders of leaders are pulling these right. guys together, that should be a simulation for them. Right. You know, like yeah, I get you guys together. <laughs> and we talk about are you should be doing that down the line. Right. So it's not people. a foreign language, it's something they That's right. oh and it's modeled for them. And right. this is what Jesus did, right? Over and over and over. Jesus is setting an example. He's modeling, come with me, you watch me. And in this phase, they're doing a lot of shadowing of Jesus. They're learning by observing. And so they need to see you living these things out. And so that helps them. Yeah. Jumped off of what he said, at what point is someone ready to disciple somebody else on that graph? And do you have any particular measurables or core competencies that you guys want to see so that someone can actually disciple someone else? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. So the answer to that is yes. We have... Uh, a discipleship curriculum called the Grow Series. It's a it's three set uh, book, three sets, uh, a three set book. Um, what am I trying to say? A, a set of three books. Somebody help me. Don't let me do that. Friends don't let friends do that. You just let me flounder around. Wow. All right. Anyway, that and uh, there's seven there's seven weeks each. And, uh, and with embedded in those are core competencies we want to see multiplied as you disciple. So, in fact, we have a whole uh, teaching part of that is core character and competencies are the two things you're working on when you're discipling someone. What are the character development, but also what are the competency development? And so we're, we're pulling that right out of what Jesus trained his disciples to do. And so that's super important because, uh, and, and this is a little side note, in, in my mind, Discipleship is is a big bucket that everybody throws anything that's of spiritual development into, and if discipleship is everything, uh, it's what it's nothing, right? Because it's you can't. So what we've said is disciple making is the whole process from when before a person gets saved 
to, to coming to Christ, getting in, in community, then being developed and trained with character and competency to multiply. And so um, what we're trying to do is make sure that those are super clear uh, in the tools that we use. So our, our discipling or training element is not just going to get together, read a couple of verses, you know, and, and, and pray together. Nothing wrong with that. I think that's better off in the connect phase. But when you get to the training phase, equipping phase, there's got to be some special competencies. And I guarantee you, when you read through the life of Christ in this phase, he's drilling down on competencies that they have to have in order to multiply. And so when you choose your tools, be sure you choose wisely. Are these tools zeroing in on competencies that need to be replicated uh, for the ministry to multiply. That's that, that's always the question I'm asking. What are the core competencies we're training here that are equipping them to multiply? Can I also say it starts too with you being able to clearly define what a disciple is. The first thing we always share with churches and one of our first big learnings is if I don't have a clearly defined picture of the end in right. mind, I my chances of getting there are really, really not very good. Y'all know Charlie, have you ever seen Charlie Brown, the cartoon Charlie Brown? I love it. There's one where he's got an arrow, bow and arrow, and he's shooting these arrows against a fence, just randomly, and they're all over the fence, right? These arrows in the fence. And Lucy comes by, his total agitator, and says, what are you doing, Charlie Brown? And he walks, he's got a can of paint, and the next one, he's walking up, and he's painting uh, targets and bullseyes around all of them. He says, I'm, I'm shooting bullseyes, right? And I think that's what we do at church really well. We just shoot arrows and then we hope that we're hitting the mark. And so again, you know, we got to define what a disciple is. We develop the pathway to helping get to that area. And then we're also working on that movement piece because as, as both of those are in tandem working, you know exactly where you're headed, exactly where you're going, exactly what you're trying to help people do as they're working their way through uh, through the pipeline and the pathway, or the pathway and the pipeline. And then they become your measurable pieces. So again, we got clear measurables here. We've got four measurables here. We got we got three measurables here. I mean, so we're those are being, you know, we're watching and looking at how the, they're doing so that as they're moving up, that we see those as not performance indicators, but as as we're growth minded oriented because they're they're about them being developed internally and externally. Some other question, thought that comes to your mind on developing team leaders. Yeah. Let me just say that all of that, all of this stuff we're saying is in, in our, in that book, the Sapple Making Leaders. So when we're talking four, you know, these four and those three, and the, all of these things are, are listed in there, uh, kind of as our playbook so that you can, you can see that. Are you going to talk about leader and leaders in this session? I'm not. I'm skipping that one because we only have one more session left. And so I'm bumping up to the leader of the department. Hey, Brad, if you've got a question and about a leader of leader, just throw it out. Well, it uh, seems like a lot of churches, no matter what the size is, we have organizational leaders and we have team leaders or group leaders. But we don't do really good at leader leaders. Right. And I'm really interested in seeing how we all do that. Yeah. And it's, they're hard to, it seems like it's, that's a small pool. Yeah. The type of people. Can you just give them an illustration? Because our church is different, but when you came over, like, so glad, 
Yeah. So, so uh, Glenn would be uh, on. He's an executive level leader, so he's a leader of an organization. Uh, he sits on a. There are four guys on this with me. Uh, he oversees uh, three departments, which is four departments: students, kids, adults, care, and yeah, adult care. That's right, adult care. So that's four departments. And then underneath those departments, uh, they have people that are helping them. For example, our student pastor has got a couple of associates underneath him that have specific areas that they're organized and they have sub-leaders that they're reporting to them. Uh, some of these uh, leaders of leaders are volunteer, like women's ministry uh, is volunteer. Uh, and so you might have other areas here, coaches are leaders of leaders in our group structure that are volunteer. So, so those would be kind of that mid-level. Some of them are volunteer, some of them are paid, just kind of depending on the job. And then the team leader is pretty obvious, and then the volunteers. And so you're right. This piece right here is, I, I, in the book, I call it the missing ingredient. And we're going to talk a little bit about this in the next session. But this leader of leaders, what is their function? Their function is to pour into these team leaders and to make sure the team leaders are all working together to accomplish what needs to happen, right? So they're very hands-on in, in recruiting, developing these team leaders, pouring into them, and organizing them. The departmental leader should be thinking, yes, that needs to happen, but also thinking bigger picture about where are we going? Who are we not reaching? What are the, what are the, what's the opportunities that we have to capitalize on? How do I manage limited resources? How do I play together and fit into the whole organization of the church? All this happens at this level. And one of the, I'm already getting ahead of myself, but in the next session, I'm going to say one of the big uh, mistakes here is basically settling down into here and performing this function and not really thinking bigger, uh, overarching about the ministry itself. And there are some reasons for that. But uh, I, I think this leader of leaders is a very important role. It's a great role to raise up leaders into and to give away uh, some uh, some leadership ability and, and to nurture. But we a lot of times we kick it to the curb. We don't do it. And those department leaders just do it themselves when they could be raising up another layer of leaders it's, there. It really put up our organization. It, it really helped yeah, it, 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 have volunteer leader of leaders. Yeah. Yeah. And trying to move them from leader of teams to leader of leaders is a challenge. It is. It is. I hope you would give me the answer. Well, I, 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 hey, it is in the book. All right. So, all right. Well, then read it. There's a whole chapter just on those guys. And I, and I, I think you'll enjoy it. What's cool is watching what Jesus does in developing those guys. And that's really special. So, so, so um, the, the, it is because here, when it's someone on my team that's getting a paycheck, it's a little bit different, yes. right? Yes. But when they're not getting a paycheck. But again, if you do this really well, and they they have the right heart and the right skill sets, uh, and, and, and again, some of the lids that come along the way are sometimes, we, we try to move people, we, we often have to figure this out too. Sometimes a person's not skilled for this next step. You know, like it's, it's, I tell people all the time, hey, 
it's like taking a car salesman who's really good at selling cars and saying, hey, now we want to make you a manager of all the sales team. Uh, and they get up there and they're like, ooh, uh, I'm not any good at this because these, these really have to be, this run here is super hard because they have to be <coughs> the one skill set we work really hard on being an equipper. And an equipper is, uh, and what we say equipping is, it's repairing and preparing. Repairing and preparing, repairing and preparing. You're, you're helping to repair and retool and rethink, but then you're also preparing them so that they're, they're, cause they're doing a lot of the frontline ministry, so to speak, but this, this is so critical, but it's accountability when it's not being paid, uh, you know, and, but again, what we found is if you do it right and do it well, and they have that lid to go to that, that stage and they can be super amazing. That's what we did with, with Zach uh, as he was rise, coming through that. We gave, he was a coach of coach. I mean, he was a coach and then became a coach of coaches. So, and we're like, man, you're, you're doing a fabulous job every time we move you up the rank. All right, our time is up. I'll tell you what, let's do. I'm hanging out. If you want to uh, dialogue about this, we would love, that's what we're here for. We'd love to dialogue with you. Um, there's some of this that we're doing really well at our church. There's some of this that we're not doing really well, and we're getting better. We're working on it. So I think in that trip with all of us, right? Once you get something figured out, you know, there's something over here that's gotta gotta plug the dike. So we're we're working hard on this with you, and we're happy to tell you things that we are, are feel like we're getting good traction in the areas that we're still pursuing. But in the next session, I'm going to talk about departmental leaders how you deal with worship pastors, student pastors, kids pastors. And I'm going to give you the six uh, deadly sins of a departmental leader and what you can do to address that. Hey, real quick before we cut you loose, uh, we have a table up on the first floor. If you'd like to purchase this disciple-making leader, uh, we've got this. It's Like I said, it's our playbook. It's upstairs on our, on our table, uh, the South First table. If you're looking for tools and resources as you're thinking about Pathway 2, I want you. To, we have our our grow series up there. You can take a look at. We've got uh, tools and resources that we're using all for explore for the connect, grow, multiply. So uh, that's up there as well as all of the tools that we use in our pathway as well. That's all we've got for the episode today. Hope that you enjoyed that. A couple of things that stood out to me was. A quote that said, for you to survive at higher levels of leadership, it's going to require you to go deeper in your own walk with God. And that's something that I didn't realize was going to be so difficult as a minister is, am I taking care of my own soul? Am I maintaining my fellowship with God throughout the week when I'm having to do sometimes mundane tasks of making voice memos for my worship team or creating the plans and planning center? Am I really creating time and space to be connected with God through the Holy Spirit? And another one was somehow these shepherds had lost their shepherd's heart. And it was all about the work and not about caring for the people. Man, that one hit me pretty hard today. got to be honest. As we're preparing for Easter, it's like three different services in my mind that I'm preparing for. Palm Sunday, Good Friday, and Easter Sunday. And it's like, I can just totally get lost in all that and forget to really take care of my team and, and see where they're at and see how I can be praying for them. So super convicting. Hope that you were encouraged and convicted and, and motivated 
by the episode today. Next up, we got one more episode from Disciple First, and then we're on to another organization from a track session from last year's forum. Hope that you've been enjoying these podcasts. If you have, please click the subscribe button. I would love for you to be a part of our group, a part of this family of disciple makers that really care about being better at making disciples. All right, y'all, enjoy the rest of your day, and I hope to catch you on the next episode. See ya.